0: Well, welcome back to another uh, Thrivecast. We've got uh, someone pretty interesting to have a bit of a yak to today, someone I've uh, worked with in the past and a good mate, um, Sam Wild. He's uh, more than just a cameraman though, Uh, he's also a graduate uh, from the University of Victoria. He's got a BSc in Marine Biology, Ecology and Biodiversity, and uh, no doubt for you uh, Instagram followers, you'll know uh, Sam's on the Insta as uh, Sam in the Wild. Hey mate, welcome to ThriveCast. Happy to be here, bro. How are you getting on? Yeah, good, mate. It's been an interesting couple of uh weeks, that's that's for sure, but uh, not as interesting as that that uh thing growing on your <sighs> upper so, Yeah, It's the the
1: movid, mate. The movid, and uh, it's not actually, it may look ginger, but it's not,
0: mate. It's just gone um, a bit rusty from all that uh, all that time in the ocean. Yeah, I know that you um, I don't <laughs> know why you've been putting your stories in black and white, mate. <laughs> Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, good to have you on, man, and just a bit of a chat. I'm keen to have a bit of a powwow about some of the stuff we've been doing and the adventures we've done in the, in the last little while and, uh, you know, have a bit of an outdoors banter. Um, for those of you who don't know, Sam's been doing a fair bit of work for us at the Hunters Club, but also in the new show that he's been sort of spearheading uh, with Dave Shaw, the uh, South Sea Spearer, And uh, we've been on trips all over the Pacific, even around New Zealand too, so... Um, I kind of wanted to ask you a few questions and uh, give some of the people a bit of insight on what makes you tick also. And um, I guess the first place to start with was you know uh, what made you want to get into into underwater photography film? Um, I guess the fact that you've uh, studied marine biology is probably an insight to that, but is there anything specific that you that made you want to get into that side of it, the the media and the sort of photographic and film component? Yeah, for sure. That actually came along with when I was studying, really, because I really kind of got into the diving
1: when I was in Wellington, studying at Vic. Um, And the diving along Wellington's coastline, man, is just, it's stunning, man. It's awesome. Real easy to go and get a feed of crays and pows and fish, which is great, you know, and saves on the food bill when you're a student. But um, because I I loved it so much, man, I was just frothing so hard. I just had this, I don't know, just this this urge to want to, show other people what yeah. what it's like down there you know like, i'm just yeah. down there absolutely frothing absolutely loving it and i wanted to kind of try and share that stoke with people who don't necessarily get the opportunity to get in the water so i mean that's why i started dragging a gopro around with me and making videos and taking photos i can
0: appreciate that too I, I remember the same thing with hunting and stuff in and, and the same boat when i was studying at university like we're just out doing missions like constantly and uh we didn't really have any way to like share that experience with anybody and, and, and we filmed and photographed everything we did um, to kind of not for to show anybody else, but for us, it was more just to keep a, um, a record, I guess, too. But um, it's, I think with hunting, I don't know, but it's probably the same with spearfishing too and mending in the waters. It's hard to really portray it. It sometimes never gives it, gives it, gives it justice until you actually go out and do it. But um, you're doing a pretty good job of, of um, sending those, uh, you know, those amazing that amazing footage and photos out into the into the world definitely um definitely like what you're putting up on instagram that's for sure um and you touched on being a student too, and like I guess yeah as you say, like <laughs> diving and, and hunting stuff's a good way to fill the freezer for sure i know we would i would i don't know we would survive at university without doing that stuff i know for yeah, yeah. anto and, and jamie and stuff i think our freezers, our freezers were constantly full only due to the fact that we were going out and doing that stuff so more money for beer, mate. I haven't done a lot of diving around uh, Wellington area, but it, um, I have I have been down to sort of Nauru. Um, my wife's family's got a place down there, and as you say, it's pretty easy harvesting down there. You can kind of get crazy and powers and sort of hip deep water, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's some of the deep, that's
1: some of the deeper stuff too. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard getting there, but
0: man, yeah, you're right. It's just a supermarket down there. But it's just like you know, I, I, and I guess it's probably the same from Wellington all the way around that sort of southern coast over into. To, you know, over to the Wireapper there, it's probably just probably just the same. I'd imagine like it's pretty good, pretty good diving. You'd say, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You never know where you're going to come across around there, too. Eh? it's um, I mean, the Cook Strait's just
1: obviously a really productive piece of water, and um, yeah. you can see him, people shoot John Dory every now and then out off their south coast. Kingies come through. Yeah. I've seen a harpooka, a Groper in about ten meters of water just off Wellington Airport. Yeah, but you never know, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: So, you know, you've got this, you have this little sort of nest egg of passion for the sport and, and obviously you're studying uh, in that field too at the same time and, and um, you know, fast forward a couple of years or, or, or more now and you're in the thick of it now, like you're, it's fair to say you've worked at some pretty uh, top shelf um, outfits and you've filmed some amazing stuff and you've gone on some pretty epic adventures around around the globe, um, in the last few years, is there a trip or a situation or people, particular people you've worked with in recent time that you are just like looking back on and going, Oh, that was just an amazing sort of thing to have done in my life. Oh
1: man. Yeah. There's, there's so many, man. I've been so lucky to have the opportunities that I've, that I've had, you know what I mean? There's that trip that we did to, to Tonga. That was oh, just yeah, sure. insane. And I could spend, I could spend just hours just talking about that one trip. Um, there's also, I went over um, and did some filming with, with, Pity who has got his own show, his Tiki Tour. We went over we to the Chatham Islands. That was amazing. We went spearfishing. Yeah. And shot a, we shot a hard pooker which was, which was epic. He was a real good bastard about it. Eh? He, he wanted to go and shoot a pooker. Um, and so we went out. We did it. He swam down, shot his pooker, came up, high fives and everything, got the footage and was stoked. And then he looks at me and he's like, "All oh, go on. Piss off then. Grabs my camera, hands me my spear gun, and he lets me go and shoot my own one. That was epic. Yeah. Um, we've also done trips to the Three Kings. I mean, we did that epic trip to the yeah, Three Kings. Yeah, that was unreal. Was insane. Those massive kingies, the paper nautilus. Mm-hmm. Everything was just epic about that. And, um,
0: you know, Wong and Ella. Wong and Ella Banks. Oh, yeah. I was not to make that one, but that, even like living that one through the lens, through uh, some of the footage that's come come across my uh, table, it's just been unreal to see that whole trip unfold. But, yeah, the... Um, to, to put a bit of background, that comment about Sam saying he, that Putty's handed him his gun. Who, by the way, I've, I've got to I've got to get him on this and have a bit of a chat to Putty about about stuff. But um, Sam doesn't. We do trips and he hardly ever gets a chance to actually get in the water and do his own spearfishing. And and I feel sorry for him because he's probably more more of a throffer than anyone about it. And the poor bugger has to be behind the camera the whole time. And so we go on these these massive long trips, and poor old Sam doesn't even get a chance to to get the trigger, get behind the trigger. So um, it's good that Putty Pretty offered you up the gun to get in and do some spearing but um yeah those lot I tell you what I, I kind of like in this lockdown time I've sort of like forgot about that Tonga trip a little bit I've been looking back at some photos and stuff and i tell you what you know hanging back in the hammock sitting on that island I could do that every day for the next bloody few years that's for sure oh bro and that, that suckling pig so for those who don't know we, went,
1: we did an episode for South Sea Sparrow and and the hunters club over there and we managed to snare, well, Dre managed to use some traditional methods to, to snare it. Are we, are we suckling pig off this remote island out of the top end of Tonga? And we parked up on this isolated island and Dre cooked it up on the spit. We went out and shot some fish off the beach
0: oh, I and some shellfish. It. Oh, man, it was just epic. This reminds me, hey, like that stuff, you just can't, if you've got any sort of inkling of the outdoors or you, you spend time out, you know, doing, you know fishing and diving, it's just like you can't, I just don't, I, that trip made me realize like I just don't do that stuff enough. Like going back to the basics and doing the, just doing the basic things, you know, just primarily for food, you know, living from like day to day on the fish that you catch. Um, and and we, we we were living pretty healthy. Like we could have done that extended for, for I don't know, forever. I, mean, didn't, I didn't want
1: to leave, man. It was like, honestly like, it's just one of the coolest experiences have ever had. It
0: like, was ever. hot bellies living on an island. Oh yeah, boy yeah that was those are like some of the stuff that i've seen come across to you um you know doing the trips with you has been pretty cool but what i what always is amazes me and that i don't get a the, the perspective of at the time and we're out there doing that cool stuff is actually what you're capturing with that camera in your hands and all often all i see is just you sort of mincing about like us in the water or or but you're actually you know there's a there's a component to what you're doing in the water that's totally out of my brain um and so it always sort of almost shocks me sometimes when I get those images through and the videos and stuff like that. Um, it's just unreal. Like, take us through a little bit of like how you approach that, you know, as you said, you reestablish like you're a throffer about spearfishing and, and the water and you just like, you, just, you could do it, you'd be doing it whether you're getting paid for it or not. But like run us through what you're sort of going through when you're actually starting to capture and compile that footage in real time when you're diving with guys to, to turn it, ultimately into something that goes on TV or in someone's short film? Well, the biggest thing is trying to stay alive,
1: (laughs) funnily enough, man, because I'm diving with some of the best divers in the world, you know, like Dwayne and Jules and and Timmy and stuff. They're absolutely phenomenal divers, and I've got to drag this stupid big camera through the water with me. Um, It's probably the hardest part of my job. Um, but I just switch into kind of like a, a certain sort of, it's almost like a film mode, man. You just got to think about it. You just got to focus on just being down there when the action's happening. And at the same time, you got to worry about your focus, your lighting, your light changes from the surface down to the bottom. Um, you got to have all your settings adjusted sometimes on while, you, while you're down the bottom and then coming back up. So there's a million things going through my mind, but the biggest thing is just being there in in the moment
0: for yeah. the action that's 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 the biggest sort of priority yeah it boggles my mind sometimes because the reason i ask that question is because just for me just doing the diving and I'm, and I'm no spectacular diver by any means like there's so much to think about and trying to keep your heart rate under control and just be calm and think about what you're going to be doing in terms of just actually the act of diving and spearfishing let alone having to think about things on the fly your breath hold, your safety around what revolves around that, the camera itself, the settings, the foot. like I, To me, it always just seems just almost impossible to be thinking about all of that stuff and stay in a state of mind that you can kind of operate at the level that you do. So I kind of like, I really admire that and see, see it as, a, as amazing, especially when I see that footage, like I said. Um, and you kind of touched on that, like having worked with, you know, a chance through doing the stuff that you've been doing, like having the chance with some of the best, in the business in terms of spearfishing and freediving. Um, what are some of the things that you see in these guys that make them really good at what they do? Like, I'm always sort of sitting back watching just their demeanor and uh, and and just their presence in the water and how they move and things of like that. And I can see the benefit of the things that they do. But they, have, oh, they also have these little technical tips and tricks. But is there anything else that you see... Amongst that sort of stable of, I mean, effectively athletes that that you see that makes them really good at what they do. Yeah,
1: so really, that's a really good question. It's a really interesting point, actually. Yeah, um, a lot of these guys, I think, um, the biggest part to play in their ability to spearfish comes from their lifestyle, from their from from their work. A lot of these guys are commercial divers. Their yeah. their body um, is adapted to to being in the ocean, you know. But what really sets these guys I mean, because there's so many good divers out there, man. But what really sets these really good guys above the rest is—it's almost like a natural instinct. It's a real natural understanding of of the ocean. You know, there's um, just they call it a fish sense. Yeah. And these guys, have, these guys have definitely got it. You know, whether they're consciously thinking of it or not, you know, they just they just know that a current's running a certain way on a certain rock. They need to drop on this rock and approach it from from this angle, and then oh, you know, there's. A John Dory there. Well, oh yeah, there's folks Snapper there. You know, they don't necessarily consciously think about it. It's 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 kind of hard to explain, but commercial diving background, getting out there and being in the water all the time, um, and yeah, a real a natural fish sense, which really kind of gives these guys the top guys their extra
0: extra edge. I reckon. I definitely agree because like there's it's not just I think with hunting too. Like there's I guess there's some sort of physiological changes that you need to. I suppose if you want to be a successful alpine hunter, you need to have some sort of level of fitness to be able to cover a lot of country and, and do some of those really gnarly climbs. But I think in spearfishing, like regardless whether you're a newbie or someone that's really high level, there still has to be some sort of change sort of physiologically to be able to die for an extended period of time and and your tolerance to things like CO2 in your, in your system and, and being able to operate underwater, I think is, is something that... Um, yeah, as you say that I, I I kind of always look back and awe at those guys you mentioned, Jules and and Dwayne and stuff, being able to dive for sort of two minutes plus at, you know, in really deep water and and then on top of that is having that ability to be able to hunt. And that's really the key, I think, um, from what I've observed, is like guys that can that can hunt just like you would on land, that can actually hunt and feel their way and you talk about fish sense versus just sort of diving around as deep as you can to get down there to get to get a fish. You still gotta be able to have some sort of sense to be able to track and understand the species that you're um, that you're diving for and all that kind of stuff so that, to me it's sort of like a opening up the sports side of spearfishing, fishing which i've effectively you and, and the other boys have introduced me more into in the in the near I guess the recent past and near future that I hopefully could do more of is is that whole new realm of hunting to me is being able to get behind the spear gun in a totally different setting but apply some of the same sort of things that you that you would hunt any species on dry land so I really like that um, about it, and while we're talking about spearfishing, and I mean this, these short sort of podcasts don't pay the sport any justice by by any means, and and we, we could spend hours talking about ten, hours, hours and hours, hours yeah, diving man. Um, just around breath holding, let alone the gear and then hunting the actual um, fish or or uh, different species, but. Um, Give us, like, give us one to two tips, say, for the budding underwater photographer um, slash videographer or Spiro wanting to get into not only spearfishing, but also capturing some of their own dives and some of the stuff they do out in the outdoors themselves. Like, Can you give us, I don't know, a couple of tips around getting into the water yourself and filming yourself, but also being a spearfisherman too behind the, behind the camera? Yeah, for me, when I was, um, like the best footage you could
1: really get is when you're dedicated to a camera following someone around. And I reckon that's, that's the best footage you can get. But I mean, if you want to start showing people you're spearfishing, um, making videos and all that sort of stuff. I always used to do it just with a head mount on my head and it worked out perfectly. I mean, just film everything, film stuff before you get in the dive. Tell Try and tell the whole story. But the biggest thing is just getting in the water, doing it and just having a camera, you know, getting that footage and then, yeah, piecing together, piecing together a story. The great thing about a head cam is, well you can have it on your mask, is that it films everything that you look at, it keeps your hands free, it doesn't interfere with your spearfishing at all. Because more often than not, if you've got a camera on your gun or in your hand or something like that, you know, it limits your footage, but it can also get in the way of, of your diving. It might mean it takes your attention away for a couple of seconds and yeah. a fish gets away. Um, so a head mount, a head mount. When filming, but the biggest thing is just having a camera in the water yeah. and um, make an effort to make some little videos and stuff. It's easy these days with the software. Pick a song. One of the biggest things is you pick a song first, and you almost try and um, almost try and make a video clip to it with all your footage. You know, um, a song that has a bit of feeling that resonates with the footage that you've got, with the feeling that you want to try and communicate. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, try and put the footage on top of that.
0: I know that um, I, I'd probably say just from like a, from a, I guess from someone outside looking in, I, I reckon Spiros and guys do do a lot more videoing. Like, so I'm just using YouTube as an example. Like you see some really cool edits from, from guys in the Spiro world um, over, over music and stuff like that. And I think, I don't know whether it's because of the immersive nature of diving and free diving. It's sort of like, you don't want to hear someone you kind of have to blank out the audio because there is really there is none but yeah. you kind of have to make up that dead airspace with some sort of uh some sort of audio and, and music i guess is probably the, the main take but people in the diving and free diving and spearfishing world seem to there seems to be some real cool stuff online with that versus say hunting for instance where i'm not saying there isn't in hunting world, but there seems to be a little bit more in the spearfishing sort of realms um and as you say, I talking about cameras and stuff, um, having that head mount's probably... I remember in the early days when we started doing a few things for the, for the Hunters Club and, and like was for um, the uh, South Sea Spearers, is having that camera mount on the gun can be a real niggle way. Eh? Like It either gets in the way of shooting and, as you say, the footage is limited because you're only just looking down the barrel of the spear gun and everything else to the dive doesn't really get captured. And it's always yeah. in some sort of awkward angle until that moment where your gun's facing in the direction of a fish and off goes the shot. <laughs> versus having it on your head, like you see a lot wider frame and you see a lot more that's going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if it's on
0: your gun, as soon as you pull that trigger, that's it. That camera's that camera's useless. Yeah, it's just a lot of you know, one you just get that one sequence of like the line up and the shot and then yeah, that's that. Exactly.
1: And you gotta hope that the camera's facing the right way. And sometimes it can get in the way of your shot. But as soon as that you know, as soon as you pull the trigger, if it's on your head, it's wicked, you know, you can get footage of oh with with Jules and Tonga when you shoot the doggy and you see the wheel yeah. disappearing and Fighting the fish and catching uh, the fish. Uh, fish I think the, that
0: footage is important for telling the story. I think um I think one thing that sets a bit parts and the stuff that you've done too is the different angles that you are capturing because you are capturing stuff on the big camera. There's all the GoPro from different angles. And I reckon the more angles that you get, the more yeah. interest, and the more interest you get, but also the more perspectives you can kind of build what it is that you're feeling and seeing as a diver. And I think that's one one key thing that you guys or well, you have done. Uh, and with Devo is to is to be able to capture that from all sorts of angles that you don't normally see from just your standard mount on your head or your or your gun or or anywhere else for that matter. So yeah. I think it brings the whole experience to life a little bit. Um What about a spear? Like, what about a budding sparrow? Like, um you've been banging to me for bloody ages about popping over a, uh, a butterfish. I've shot more fish oh. around the world in, in New Zealand, but I still haven't managed to bag my butter first butterfish. Like, what's your tip for me? As a as a as a greenhorn spiro, um, going after your butterfish. Oh man,
1: that's so You're good to me. For those who too. don't know, so Dre is an elite spiro. He's one of the few in New Zealand who's managed to shoot a golden snapper, a regular snapper, and kingies. Before he shot a butterfish, and he's desperate to shoot a butterfish, and I love it. It cracks me up. There's no one else in the history of spearfishing that's gone through and shot those species
0: first. I love it. I just, I just want to know what they taste like. I, like <laughs> I mean, people have even offered it to me and said, "Hey, do you want to try some?" And I've just said, "No, nah, I'm not eating this butterfish until I shoot one myself." Well, well good man, it's good. It's good. You need to come hang out with me and Timmy, bro. Yeah, I know. I know oh, you guys. Well, that's it, huh? You guys. I mean, Timmy's got that. Um, Commercial and right, right. harvesting. You you you're just telling me the other day you're out there tom- tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow to go and I maybe mean, take yeah. some commercial catch.
1: We're probably going to either um, shoot over to the Tory channel tonight and then get into it tomorrow. So, what we're doing is um, Tim's got a, a, just started up doing some commercial spearfishing. It's a, just a, a trial run on an alternate method of, of harvesting fish, selective, all that sort of carry on. We know what spearfishing is about, cool. incredibly sustainable. So, it's a good it's a good practice. Um, if we can introduce it to sort of the communi- um, commercial fishing sector. But, um, yeah, so there's just a couple of species like butterfish,
0: bro. You need to come and do a day with us. Yeah, well, maybe that maybe that's the one way I can go and get a – I mean, you guys are shipping off bloody hundreds of kilos a, 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 in, a, in a day or two, so um, I'll be keen. To, they do exist, from what I'm told. <laughs> they, um. they, they exist, man. They exist. And the great thing about butterfish is that
1: they're, they're found all over the country. Um, they're found in and in around just Kelpie coastline. Um you need tide. You need a bit of current running. They're always going to be sitting there facing into the tide on the front side or the sides of rocks. Um, and, yeah, man, it's all approach the rock from behind. But basically, if you if you, if you start seeing the smaller ones, the smaller ones um, before they become sexually mature are brown. And then when they start becoming more sexually mature, I think they even change sex, they become darker, like a blue almost. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you start seeing the man, just slow down, start working yourself around different rocks with tide running on them and, and you'll bump into
0: them for sure. I remember being down in uh, Fiordland on that trip we oh, did down yeah, there assaulting those movies. guys that first time we did and um, I remember just diving around and seeing them and I, I had no idea I, I did, had no idea what they were and uh, I remember I was probably on the last day of that trip and I remember asking you about them and you're like yeah the butterfish mate shoot them and I was just like oh. and I, I think I had a couple of days or maybe it was a day or two to go and get one I couldn't for the life of me I couldn't, I couldn't shoot one but um, yeah what would you pick like snapper blue cod or butterfish in it's just eating of eating, of eating?
1: Yeah. ooh blue cod man blue cod see butterfish is for me butterfish is it's a neighbour fish or an in-law fish he gives <laughs> <laughs> you give neighbours he gives you give in-laws but it's one of those fish that people either love it or they're not such a big fan of it it doesn't really seem to be much in between um, yeah right but I mean butterfish is yeah I mean a lot of people it, hold it in such high regard so mm. a lot of people
0: it's their favourite fish and oh, they man. are
1: beautiful fish, man. I mean, we'll really have to I'm get into it
0: to see them because mate, we'll have you know, to, when this whole bloody COVID thing blows over, I'll be able to come down here and do a bit of, bit of uh, I'll probably add my one or two fish to your, your, whatever, how many hundreds of fish you shoot in a day. That's all right, mate, as long as you shoot your first butterfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it.
1: Golden snapper, normal snapper, kingies. Yeah. Dre got two kingies, two kingies yeah. on a
0: spear in one shot for his first ever king. i pretty lucky, man. It's pretty hard to hard to miss them and bloody up with the kings there with a. That's the it's the bloody home of those big buggers i mean it was, it was, amazing. Cool, it was actually amazing you didn't have to ask me twice i remember nat popping up out of the water and going "Dre, grab your spear gun and i was just like yeah <laughs> I, I was sitting on the duckboard just waiting and i was just straight in there i've never seen anything like it just like wall to walls king like kingfish it was so hard actually i think one of the things that i found hard was like, it was hard to judge the size like, like you guys are pulling those big sort of 30 plus 40 kilo models out of the water but like I couldn't tell, like, I guess it was so many of them and they were all roughly around the same size. It was hard to say, oh, he's a 20 kilo fish or, or he was bigger because it was just, there was so many kingies that it was hard. Yes, yeah, like,
1: that's, that's, that's why they schooled up like that, you know? I mean, so, so to describe the situation, Dre dropped down on a school of kingies and basically as he got down to depth, these fish just stopped and just started vortexing him. So basically what happens then is, and it, because there's so many fish, they're almost harder to shoot in a way because what you're seeing is just so overwhelming to the brain. It's hard to just focus on a single
0: fish. It literally was, eh? it was like, and, and, and since then shot other Kingies, but like, you know, they're in like individual, although either individual fish or like ones or twos, yeah. you can kind of pick out the disparity in size. But when there was that many, like literally, I, I don't know how many you say, like hundreds, there were hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah, more than hundreds of them. Yeah. They were just schooling. and It was really hard to pick out ones that I thought were of that kind of class that you want to put on the hook. But um, yeah, it was an unreal experience to say the least. Um, and while we're talking about different species and, and, and stuff, um, I mean, you're no slouch behind that spear gun. Um, like, what do you have on the hit list in terms of, like, or, or the wish list, I guess, for for species or, or sort of adventures, on you know, on the horizon that you'd like to get back into or, or do more of or do for the first time? Like, for species, places that you want to dive, like, what's on your, on your wish list? Oh, man,
1: there's still so much on the list, man. Um, my favorite species to hunt. A, a doggies you know we did that trip when we did that trip to Tonga we were targeting doggies so I've been lucky enough to head out with with Nat and Rochelle we did that trip over to um from Tonga to Fiji and that was amazing shot my first doggie hang on I've got it I've been killing some time making up some jaws yeah. and stuff but that's, that's the jaw of a doggie they are gnarly they are easy industrious fish you
0: both you, and, you, you know, and Samuel Sam Wild and Samuel you're both industrious in your time he's making shells and all sort of stuff and you're on your industry, yeah. constantly like no, 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 it. bleaching heads and making you know yeah. Turner things like it's pretty it's pretty um pretty cool to see but so dog to turn reckon like you've, you've oh, really man, pretty big models yeah, that's that's the most notorious fish in the ocean to shoot. Nat was
1: saying that his thirty, he shot like a thirty kilo doggy, and that fought harder than his hundred and ten kilo yellowfin or something, you know. Yeah, right. But for but for me, so um, I was super fortunate to uh, to actually pick up a gun for the change for a change bro on South Sea Spear, when we went to Australia. We were shooting bluefin tuna. Oh yeah, no, I saw some of the footage that, there, man. Right, it was just insane. Like it was just like the tuna were big. Come on, maybe twenty kilo, but yeah, the shotguns. Bro, the buzz was like three meters. We couldn't, bro, it was terrible. And it's like spearfishing next to Australia's, one of Australia's biggest seal colonies. Oh. The local guys like, yeah, quite often cruise past and see floating seals and
0: seals chewed up on the rocks. There's like heaps of- When boats. I was looking at that stuff, that immediately <laughs> came into my brain. was just like, oh man, I hope these guys are going to be okay. There's like great, this is like great white alley down there. There's- oh, bros freaky <laughs> to from, pretty much from we from perth right around to like you know northern new south wales coast it's just like it's like great white yeah. city it was gnarly man it was it was pretty cool so it was really good so that was the next
1: species on my list I was taken off a bluefin managed to get the, get a shot on one of them which was really really cool um we're super lucky i reckon some of the some of the uh, the diving that we've got in the pacific and the islands that you know that's just on a back doorstep it's amazing man. you get the doggies your yellowfin your wahoo your mahi mahi and all the reef species, um, whereas, and it's all just so close. Um, so we're super lucky, but there's places I wanna to go to Mexico, I wanna try and shoot a halibut in Alaska, um, Ascension Island for the big yellowfin. Um, there's definitely a few things on the
0: list, so we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, I've seen some of those vids from um, um, Cam, uh, Kurt McConnell and those guys up in Ascension, and man, like those yellowfin is out of this world, eh? Like, it's unreal. Um, and just the viz too I guess they're so far away from like fresh water and pollution and stuff and it just sort of looks untouched up there right yeah Um, yeah just a volcanic at or volcanic rock in addition to just the size of tuna they get up there too like big like huge big sickles on that come way back to their like to their tails it's just it's unreal Um, I was talking to um, you know I was talking today about sort of some of these trips and stuff that that are and and it's similar to like us at the Hunters Club. Is like there's almost this license there to like dream up these cool trips and and I think that'll be a way to do, to knock off some of those things. Is it will be you'll be able to go over and uh, and do some of those things because no doubt they're on the hit list for a lot of the other boys too. So, which is quite cool because I'm really looking forward to seeing what what sort of comes out of the hopper with that and uh, no doubt it'll be it'll be top quality. Um and just to finish on. Real quick to let you go, man. I'm taking up the time as you're hunting. Sam's also a keen, keen hunter, too, and he's he's displaying one of his great uh, heads there behind you. What are your, what are your plans hunting wise? Seeing as with the roars being knocked out of us this year, like you, um, you're you're looking to target anything down in the South Island there or or, or elsewhere?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was super fortunate enough to get out at the start of the raw, so we got amongst some roaring stag action, which was which was wicked managed to knock over just a little cull stag and uh, my mate Ricky, we saw a real nice stag up on this face. Eh? <laughs> we had to paper, scissors, rock for it and I lost And hitch. Oh, oh, we had this beautiful 12-pointer come down, bro. He's going to get on the wall, so that was, that was epic. I'll epic to put some photos on
0: when I put this up.
1: Bro, it was it was a wicked animal, man. It was a cool hunt, but um, yeah, man, I'm frothing on the hunting now, like, just as much. Yeah, this time of year, Nelson, the spearfishing turns a bit average, so yeah. Keen to take to the bush, so um, definitely going to maybe try and chase some tar around uh, yeah, the west coast. Yeah. Hopefully, the east coast with Caden. Fingers yeah. crossed. Um, and then Stewart Island, hopefully mm. in June.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that. Hopefully, that all unfolds and we're able to get down and do that.
1: Fingers crossed, man. Yeah, yeah. But just I just want to get
0: more time in the bush, man. Yeah, just same as this bear fishing. I'm starting to froth more on the hunting now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, mate. Um, it's it's been great chatting to you, and hopefully, I can do. Some more trips with you in the, in the future. Genuinely, um, one of the nicest guys I've met. Sam, he's always up for a, a mission, and uh, he's always uh, he's always got a good good uh, set of banter chops on him. And as you can say, as you can see, he can grow a good mow. Um, <laughs> no doubt your, your Tinder profile's been taking a hit with the COVID lockdown, right. So No uh, good for it. No good for later. And, um Likewise, mate. Hopefully, uh, get a chance to, to touch base again soon and face to face and do some diving. Or
1: hard get, out, man. Uh, Well overdue. Really good to catch up, bro. It's been way too long, but yeah, looking forward to to the missions in the future.
0: Yeah, right. Cheers, mate. I'll catch you
1: soon. Cheers, Dre.